This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, and I am joined here by my hardworking co-host, Free Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to make me keep laughing. Uh, hello, hello, everybody. <laughs> ever since we realized that we have a list of positive qualities in our the Sib Journal. Oh my gosh, that's what I'm See, using all the time. And I was looking at energetic and like, oh, maybe energetic. I'm going to get energetic. You know, but no, I like to keep it fresh. Yes, <laughs> yes, and take one from left field that you don't see coming. Ooh, well, yes, that that is a yes. You are you are accomplishing that for sure. <laughs> it's all about the surprise, right? So today we are interviewing Carly Anderson, who is a blogger at Lip Gloss and Crayons, and she helps moms empower themselves and their children through body confidence, female empowerment, education, and fun. And we met Carly through an online conference that we went to recently, Mom 2.0. Shout out to Mom 2.0. And we really loved her message about body confidence and female empowerment. And so that's why we invited her on. We're like, let's do this and talk about body image because it is such a huge deal for women. I mean, we were just talking before we would start a recording and it was a huge deal in both of our lives when we were teens and in our 20s. Right, right. And I do feel like we both have daughters right now that are going through that lovely tween age. Mm -hmm. They're just starting to hit into their junior high time frame. And we know as women that that's a big deal. There's a lot yeah. going on, not only physically, but mentally and socially in that mm -hmm. time frame. And so what we went through when we were younger directly impacts how we're mothering our daughters at this point in time. And I also know like how our daughters see us as moms directly impacts their self-image. Yes, it does a lot. And we also both have a boy too. Yes. My son is one year older than my daughter. And I was just telling Joanne that over the weekend, mm -hmm. we went ziplining. And there was a point where I was hiking along the zipline with my son. And we were following my daughter and Miguel on the zipline. And he was like way ahead of me. And I just couldn't keep up with them. And so as a joke, I was trying to be funny. I put myself down. Hands up in the air if you've ever done that, like poked fun at yourself to try to get like a joke out of something where you're kind of feeling slightly uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So my son is like hiking way ahead of me and I can't keep up with him. And I yell out to him, dude, slow down. I, your mom is fat and lazy and I can't keep up. He stopped dead in his tracks, turned around and with the flattest like face ever, like uh, he looked angry at me and went, really, mom, that's how you're going to talk about yourself. And I was like, Oh, God, no, I'm sorry. I don't mean it that way. Like, mom, but I am out of shape. I haven't been hiking as much. I probably should do more, but I'm not bad. I'm not lazy. And he goes, thank you. Well, <laughs> that shows like proof of your parenting that he calls you out on it. 
because he knows that like you shouldn't talk horribly about yourself and put yourself down like as people you shouldn't talk horribly about yourself and put yourself down right it did make me feel like okay even though i felt silly for having done that scenario and my joke fell flat on the ground it did make me feel like okay well i'm not doing something terribly wrong because Mm -hmm. he picked up on the fact that that kind of language wasn't okay yeah and that it wasn't true See, in my family, like body image has always been a really huge thing. My mom was constantly in and out of Weight Watchers and I could tell as a kid, she was not happy with her body. My grandma was constantly in and out of Weight Watchers and I could tell that she was not happy with her body. So there was this like line of women just not happy with their body, not for any reason other than they felt that they didn't look like they should. Yeah, they didn't meet that ideal in their head. Ideal in their head. Yeah. I was going the same way. I felt myself going the same way until my daughter was one. And I saw these pictures of myself in the lake in Minnesota when we went to go visit my husband's family up there. And I could hear that same narrative in my head. Oh my gosh, I'm so fat. And it was then I'm like, no, this isn't going to happen this way. I'm going to break the cycle. I'm going to like my daughter can never, never see me be horrible about my body or say anything horrible about my body. I'm going to change this now. And I knew one of the reasons I felt horrible is because I was just eating crap food. Like, uh, you know, when you just eat crap food, you just feel horrible. And so I did enroll in Weight Watchers. But But not. I got got like two other women on my work to do it with me. And I think that was the reason I was successful. I did lose 20 pounds, but I also picked up a ton of healthy habits, like making sure there's a fruit and veggie at every meal to fill yourself up and really diversifying your plate and doing all those wonderful things. And by and large, through just keeping on to that notion of like put some fruit and vegetables on there and make sure you're feeling good that way. Uh, I've remained pretty, pretty okay with my body. And I haven't gone into like the self-defeating. There's times where I'm like, I really need to work out more. And then I do it. But do you do it because of your body image? Or do you do do it because because of the way it makes you feel? I do it because of the way it makes me feel. And we were just talking like how I, I never weigh myself. I cannot know that number. I go psycho at that number. So even at doctor's offices, I will be looking up to the ceiling when they weigh me. And I'll be hoping and I actually tell them I'm like, don't even tell me like, don't tell me what that number is. Not because like, I'm ashamed of it. But because I know that that has nothing to do with the health of my body whatsoever. Right. And it has the potential to drive me crazy. I I do think that that's interesting how that number can control our view of our body image so many times. Like, And that's one thing that I do try to keep going with my daughter is that a big factor for us that is hard for her to handle, and I know it's going to just be a continuing educational format for us, is that her and I don't have the same body type. Mm -hmm. So the majority of the women in my family are a little bit more petite, don't quite have the height that I have and don't quite have the curves that I have. And my daughter sees it all the time. And she's like, why am I not like you? And I'm like, honey, you're just, you have the body of the rest of our family. Mm-hmm. I had this weird offshoot, just me and your Aunt Shannon are over here in left field and everybody else is over there. Um, so it's all about, and I do talk about that. It's all about loving who you are. Like yeah. what does your body, what are these amazing things that your body can do? Exactly. Your body can run. She's a cross country runner. You mm-hmm. have this amazing um, endurance and energy to you that like not everybody has. That's amazing. Yes. So we have a lot to talk about with Carly and we hope that you enjoy our discussion with her. We are brought to you by the Sib Journal. Sib Yay! stands for siblings interacting boldly and it is the only system that gives kids a simple way to communicate without yelling or hitting. So if right now you have kids screaming at each other in your home and you just wish that there was some way that they could come to a resolution on their problems without you being the referee, the Sib Journal system is for you. And to celebrate it, we have a contest. Oh, yeah, I love contests. So we're giving away a Sib Journal system, which is valued at $98, and it includes the entire video interactive portion of the Sib Journal, along with two Sib Journals sent directly to your home to be used by your kids. And all you need to do is on this podcast, if you're on Apple Podcasts, just write us a quick review. 
two to three sentences about what you like about the podcast, what you've enjoyed so far. Give us a star rating. Five, five stars. For good karma. Yeah, for good <laughs> karma. And then take a screenshot of that. With that screenshot, go to noguiltmom.com backslash review and submit it. And that's it. You're entered to win a Sib Journal system valued at $98. That's amazing. And you can get it before you can buy it. That's the more fabulous part to me. Exactly. So we cannot wait to read your reviews and let's get on with the show. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. We are so happy to have you here and on the No Guilt Mom podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm excited to be here. My coffee and I are ready. <laughs> yeah, Yay. we were just talking about coffee before we got on and Bree's like, the big like coffee carafe isn't in your refrigerator. And I'm like, that's because we need to make more. <laughs> we do like the whole cold brew. Do you do cold brew or do you do like the hot I stuff? I do, but I feel like we're in a seasonal transition. So I'm trying to go to hot coffee. However, it is still hot here in Southern California. So the weather is not cooperating with my coffee transition. Right. No, I, I feel you. I'm in the same one. Like I like my fall coffee, my pumpkin. Yes. As a hot coffee, but it's still 105 here in Phoenix. Yeah, so no. it's kind of yeah. hard. <laughs> See, I like I'm iced coffee all year round. Like I don't, if I go to snow, I will probably still get iced coffee. I'm not a hot coffee drinker. Interesting. I don't like it. I don't like it. So you started as a blogger at Lip Gloss and Crayons. Can you tell our audience like a little bit about what you do? Sure. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm, how long do you have? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you guys super quick bullet points. I am a now former teacher. I was a teacher in Los Angeles for 15 years. A hobby blogger turned full-time blogger, which I did not expect when all of this started. I have a daughter who is six, almost seven. That is very important. We live here in San Diego. And now what I do online is kind of merge all of those things together. So I talk a lot about parenting from the lens of how we affect our kids, including body image primarily. I talk quite a bit about raising girls specifically and how our behavior as their moms affects their body image. Very cool. I was doing a little research before our interview and you are the founder of the hashtag just wear the suit. And I am. I when you type that in, you're like, the first article I found was from Shape Magazine about how the hashtag just wear the suit was banned by Instagram. What? Oh my gosh. That was last summer. That was a last whole summer. Okay. <laughs> tell us about that. Cause tell that just seems you. insane to me. And give us like a rundown on what just wear the suit, how that started and what it is. Sure. So, uh, <laughs> it actually started as an accident, which is funny now because here we are talking about this. When my daughter Lydia was maybe two or three ish, whenever Instagram stories launched, I, kind of forgot that there were people there when I talked off the cuff in these little videos. You know, they disappeared. It was in the earlier days of Instagram. I would just say things and move along with my day. So I was talking on an Instagram story about how at the time I had worn a bathing suit like twice since my daughter had been born. And around that time, I shared a ton of fashion. So I would talk about jeans and shorts and plenty of other things, but never bathing suits because I didn't feel comfortable. And I kind of just made an offhanded joking comment at the time about, I should just do a blog post in a bathing suit because if I put it on the internet, I probably won't care anymore, right? Then the messages poured in and they kept coming and coming and I tried to ignore them. <laughs> I tried to ignore all the messages and it was very much, I was realizing that I was not alone in this. No matter the shape or size of the women sending me these messages, it was, I don't feel comfortable either. 
I don't even want to take my child to the beach and they're three and this is ridiculous, but I honestly don't feel comfortable. So after I tried to avoid it for a really long time, <laughs> I did end up taking photos in a bathing suit and I thought it was going to be like a one shot deal. I thought like, okay, internet, I've taken these photos. I almost cried taking them. It was very stressful, which yet again sounds ridiculous now, but at the time it was so anxiety producing. I felt so uncomfortable. Uh, I thought it was done. I wrote a blog post. I posted the photos. I posted an Instagram post. I could move on with my life. Then it didn't stop. People kept asking me for bathing suit recommendations and what my thoughts were and how I felt. So for about maybe a year and a half, I did use the hashtag just wear the suit, but it was only for my own photos. It was not a community at the time. It was just a way to like organize them. So I figured, look, you people want to know about these bathing suits so bad. Just here you go. Use the hashtag and you can see all of my bathing suits, right? And I was actually at the Mom 2.0 conference the year after I launched this. And at the time I was teaching full time and the conference was in Los Angeles. So I was teaching during the day changing out of my teaching clothes into like trendier conference clothes, driving to this conference at night and doing this the entire time, which is so ridiculous. But I was like driving back and forth, trying to gleam wisdom from this conference. And at the end of the conference, the one thing that had kind of hit me over the head the whole time was building a community. So I left the conference and said to a friend, well, I want a community. And she said, it's your bathing suit thing. And I was like, (laughs) what do you mean it's my bathing suit thing? No one in their right mind is going to put a photo in a bathing suit on the internet just because I asked them to. These people are complaining to me in DMs. Why would they do that? So I kept coming back to it over and over again. And I finally was like, you know what? I'm just going to do like a little thing. I'll ask a couple of my blogger friends. We can all host together. And if other people want to participate, maybe like 10 people will do it and we can move on with our day. Shout out to Clarendon for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Hey guys, Brie here. And let me tell you, April is a killer time of the year for me because it is crazy allergy season. I swear, everything that is in bloom looks fantastic and beautiful, but it makes it so I can't breathe. I am literally coughing, sneezing, rubbing my nose. I look like Rudolph half of the spring. It's terrible. But luckily for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies like I do, we live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can finally breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine is the best decongestant available. It relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I absolutely love it. It is the only allergy medicine that works for me. So if you're ready to live life as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just one quick Trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Hey, all, it is Joanne and Brie here. And we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe. And it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains 
ratings in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. That is not what happened. (laughs) It took off like wildfire and became a community hashtag, which I am extremely proud of because it became a place where women could connect with each other to talk about their body image issues versus just connecting with me. And it grew and it grew and it grew until last summer when I started to realize there was something weird about the hashtag. I would post a photo using the hashtag. It wouldn't show up. Other people would post a photo. It wouldn't show up. Just strange kind of glitchy things. But you know, it's Instagram. So, hey, maybe it was a glitch. It's always glitchy. Maybe it was the algorithm. Who knows at this point, right? Long story short, it turned out that the hashtag was marked as inappropriate under the category of inappropriate content slash pornography. No. So, so oh my now, Lord. I'm not blaming the human beings who work at Instagram. I want to be really clear about this. Instagram is an algorithm based platform that functions yes. partially on AI we have probably all watched The Social Dilemma. We've learned a bit about this. Mm -hmm. right? Some of this is automated. So from my understanding, if you post a photo that shows a lot of skin, there's like a little alert that goes off in Instagram. There are probably very valid reasons for that. You don't want children posting those type of photos. You don't want Mm -hmm. unauthorized photos, et cetera, right? So what happened is that a lot of women are posting a lot of photos with skin. Yeah. The hashtag got banned potentially automatically, but it was not resolved. And this is the thing that became really frustrating is the amount of people that tried to reach out to a human being at Instagram. No one was willing to fix the problem. So the issue became, we are using your tool for something that it's meant to be used for, which is to connect with other people in a human way, right? Mm -hmm. Your system is not allowing us to do that. In fact, it's discouraging it. And you're saying that this is inappropriate content, which it wasn't. I think on a deep level, that was what frustrated me so much was you are saying women over a certain size or talking about uncomfortability in their bodies are inappropriate. Like that's basically what they're saying. Yeah. There has to be a human being there. Who's like, Oh, that was a mistake. Click, click, Mm -hmm. click. Fix the problem. Did not happen. It went on for a couple months. It was a while. This wasn't like a one or two day thing. Mm -hmm. And long story short, I didn't even say anything to the community because I felt so uncomfortable. I felt embarrassed. Like, are we something wrong this is I mean they're bathing suits it's like primarily moms in bathing suits how is this is so weird and the irony is which is what a lot of the articles were about I finally got really mad one day and I said something I said this has been banned this is what happened I am so frustrated I'm uncomfortable I'm embarrassed and people got kind of upset rightly (laughs) so yes and Thousands of people reported it to Instagram, thousands of people shared it, and all of a sudden, it seemed to resolve itself. That so, is awesome. I love that, <laughs> harnessing a community. <laughs> Which is what some of these articles are about. And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> and it's still going. Well, first of all, I love how the community all came together to like fight back against Instagram's banning of it because there is no reason why a woman's body shown in a very classy way, like with these just wear the suit photos, should ever be judged in that fashion. Like that just gets me all riled up. And going back to like your first instance, taking a photo in the bathing suit, I can totally relate to that because we're around the same age. We grew up in this era of, I don't know if you thought this way when you were in middle school, but I never wore a two piece ever because I'm like, well, my stomach doesn't look like that or like that I see. So it's inappropriate, quote unquote, for me to wear a two piece. I mean, this was the conversation that was going on in my head. Right. Uh, right. So I could totally understand that fear that you just had when you posted a picture of yourself in the two piece. So 
after you did it, after you posted that picture, did it make you feel more comfortable seeing all of this support come around you about that body image issue? There were a couple of things that when this first started that came up for me that surprised me. I didn't feel more comfortable for a while. I think the first time I posted it, it was more like, okay, guys, can we all move on now to other stuff? I would say it probably took a year for me to feel really comfortable. And this is why one of my big things that I kind of preach constantly is take photos in bathing suits, normalize that for yourself. Because what we're trying to do is rewire that. We're trying to rewire that whole I look ridiculous in a two-piece, I can't wear a bathing suit, I need to wear a cover-up the whole time type of thing. But look, I'm 41 years old, okay? This is how many years, 30-some-odd years of this messaging and what I was thinking. That doesn't happen in a single photo. So Mm -hmm. for me, I think it was a lot of realizing slowly, okay, I wore a bathing suit to the beach, and frankly, no one cared. Like only me. I was the only right? one cared about this. Like the world did not stop spinning. It was really not a big deal. Nobody freaked out. No one seems concerned about the size of my thighs. Really, nobody cares except mm-hmm. for me. Right. Well, we like as moms, we miss out on so much when we don't wear the suit because I could see this in my own mom and like other women like who are older than me. We have family swim parties and no one gets in the pool. No one gets in the pool, but the kids, because no one will get in the freaking bathing suit. I, like, I, <laughs> no, it's true. It's, it's true. true. I mean, there's so much like you're, especially like once you become a mom, like your body is so different and you're detached from it. And it just, we just see so many images of that perfection. Mm-hmm. And then we look at ourselves and we are far from it. But you know what? Who cares? Our kids, I've never once had my kids say, mom, your hugs don't feel right. Your body's too big. No, no. like if anything, like the bigger the thighs are, the better for cuddles, like the more kids that can fit on them and just, well, and then crazy. like, I feel like as I get older, I start caring less and less about it. <laughs> I gift of, of age, right? <laughs> no, I'm, you know what? Oh, give <laughs> you, a damn anymore. Changing at this point. Okay. It is it is. Right. But it's also like, I think partly from being in this kind of social media industry where I have put myself out there before and I've heard back from other women hearing those exact same comments that they feel about themselves and just knowing that they feel that way. I don't think we all are in the norm and saying like, oh, we just don't care. We're just going to go out there and be in our bathing suit. I think a lot of women still struggle with this and will not put themselves out there like that. I think that's why like the work that you're doing and the message that you're sending, not only to other, other moms, other women don't even always have to be moms. And also as moms to that have daughters, sending them that message that, okay, I get that you're still at a point where it's concerning and you're feeling the same way that I did the beginning, but realizing that you guys have a role and a voice that we can use to help them move forward. It's just so, so important. One thing that I realized that I learned from this community that I think is important to say too is it is so unrelated to what you actually look like. And I think this is the thing that blew my mind so much when all of this started. I really thought that the women that were talking about this and sharing would frankly be all over a certain size, right? I figured, oh, if you're like a size, I don't know, six or under, you're sitting pretty right now. Like, good for you. Society loves you. Mm -hmm. The thing that blew my mind was that everyone has a story. Everyone. I had two very close friends, very, very petite, very, very naturally thin women who talked about being skinny shamed their entire childhood. I mean, that sounds ridiculous that it blew my mind, but it really did. Because if you look at the hashtag now, There is no rhyme nor reason. It is every size, every shape. And every woman is dealing with this. And that is mind boggling to me that it's everybody. And so to me, that messaging to the next generation, our daughters, but also our sons, because the way that they behave around Mm -hmm. body is very important. And boys and men have body image issues as well. This is a societal issue. And I think until we really start to acknowledge 
that this is something that has been messaged to all of us and that we need to change, it's going to affect everybody. Yeah. I've heard the argument about body shaming being so common in women and that we are focused so much on our bodies and like society like puts so much focus on our bodies that it's impossible almost to get to that next level and be taken seriously if we don't look a certain way as well, which is just horrible. I know. And I see it happening right now. Our daughters are in middle school. And I mean, I heard a conversation just the other day between the daughters and they're like, oh my gosh, you're so thin. How do you stay so thin? I mean, they're 11. They're 11. And hearing that, I was like, oh, okay. I didn't even know where to start with it. Well, and I think the thing is we can do everything quote unquote right as parents, right? I can model for my daughter. I can make sure she sees diverse role models. I can make sure there's representation in media. This is still going to happen because frankly, society has not come that far. We just haven't, you know, and is some of it, this is like very, let me put my little teacher hat on. Is some of it like a developmental thing where children become aware of other people's appearances and start Mm -hmm. to compare and contrast them? Yes. Okay. That piece is always going to be just a stage that children go through. Right. And I think to assume that they wouldn't is a mistake as a parent. Can we prevent it from happening? Absolutely not. Can we prepare our children so that they have like an arsenal of information Absolutely. So are they going to ask questions like that? Well, why are you taller than I am? Why are you thinner than I am? Why are you better at running than I am? Whatever it is, some of this Mm -hmm. is going to be just the makeup and our genetics and the way that our bodies are shaped. But we can combat it with making sure our children see diverse role models, making sure that they understand, hey, we're all built differently and that's okay right? It may not take the whole conversation away, but it normalizes it so that it's not just these negative messages only that they're Mm -hmm. getting from their peers, for instance, or from the media. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Yeah. And I think a big thing to remember is that, like you said, we can arm our children with all this information, all these tools, but they're also going to remember what we did. Mm -hmm. So they're going to remember that mom never got in the swimsuit. They're going to remember that mom never wore shorts or sleeveless tops or things like that. And they're going to remember 
And then they're going to start asking questions or, and this is the worst part, when they don't ask the questions and they're drawing their own conclusions about why. it as fact. Right. Yeah. Right. And like that's, oh, so mom didn't do that. that. Nonverbal messaging, right? Anybody (laughs) that has been around a young child for a long time, you know, you hear like the joking stories about you swear in front of your kids and then they repeat it in the grocery store. (laughs) And then you think, oh gosh, they are listening. Kids take in everything. There's that nonverbal and verbal messaging. So if you have a child who's 10 or 11 years old and their entire life, they've watched you try on clothes at the store and mumble under your breath about how bad you look or just like look dissatisfied all the time or never say anything positive about your appearance. Maybe that's it. Maybe you just never say anything positive at all. They're taking that in. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's important, as silly as it sounds, for our children to hear us say, I feel really pretty when I wear a dress. So I'm going to wear a dress today. That's important. And I think we don't say that enough, partially because we get really deep into this mom role and we don't think about ourselves. And partially because I think a lot of us have been taught that that's like bragging. You're not supposed Mm -hmm. to talk about how great you look. And partially because we feel insecure. Tell me what you think of this because I've suffered from body image issues for like my whole entire life. And one way that I have found to counter those issues is by focusing not what I look like, but on what my body can do. I lift, well, not as much as my husband. My husband's a really big lifter. (laughs) I feel like every time I say I lift, I'm like, don't compare. compare. (laughs) But the first time I ever felt very proud of my body was when I was 24 years old and I had just completed my first marathon. I wasn't even a runner. It was one of those things where I was like, oh, if I run a marathon, I'm going to be skinny. Like that was my thought process going into running a marathon. (laughs) That thought process, not the healthiest going into it, but throughout the process, I gained this appreciation of what my body can do. And I remember like after the marathon, standing there in front of the mirror being like, I did that. I ran 26.2 miles. So going off that experience, how do you feel about when moms don't feel that great about their body? What can they do to start feeling good about it again? So, okay. This is so teachery. Homework. (laughs) Here we go. Okay. It's okay. We like homework. So I think that this goes into daily habits, right? You've had X amount of years of telling yourself that your thighs are fat, so it's going to take a minute, and you have to work on this every day. Something that I did myself that I tell women to do a lot is to set aside five minutes of your day. I would suggest writing it down. You can do it verbally, but for me, yet again, maybe it's the teacher thing. Actually writing it down is great. I think there's three things you need to do. One is to identify a function, something your body did today that has nothing to do with appearance. So it helped me train for my marathon. It lifted my children up the stairs, whatever it is. Okay. So that's the first step. You're separating the value of what your body can do from appearance. So one thing your body did as a function every day. Two is I need you to be shallow. You need to compliment your appearance because you know what? That's the thing that we're attacking. We're attacking our appearance, not the function of our body. And as hard as it is, even if it's, I like my hair for the first 27 days in a row, you have to start to rewire that negative conversation, right? So yes, you need to be shallow and talk about your appearance and find something you like. It might not be your hips or your thighs in the beginning. That is okay. Find something. And then my third thing is, You need to compliment one woman a day on her appearance. I like that. Yeah. I think it's really important to not only identify the beauty we see in ourselves, but other people. You're putting something positive into something that is considered very negative in our society. As simple as walking down the street, you know, when we all went out more than we do currently, (laughs) um, and saying, Hey, I love your hair or, oh my gosh, your dress is so cute. Whatever it is. I think just something positive every day because you're doing two things. You're rewiring that negative talk in your head and you're modeling for your children who are with you that we compliment other people. 
Mm-hmm. And you know what? Let's just be honest. How do you feel when a stranger says to you, it gives you a compliment, right? Like, oh, <laughs> I, I, I love that way more than, than hearing my partner say like, oh, you look pretty. No. Yeah. Well, when a stranger you- walks by, it's like, wow, I really love that lipstick. You're like, oh my God, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Well, and you're rewiring on a selfish level. You're rewiring your brain to focus on the positive versus focus on the negative. And it does something to you when you do this every single day. At some point, if you can see beauty in other people, you see it in yourself as well. I like that. And I rewiring the brain, it is so true. And it works on everything that we tell ourselves negatively. But when we start to do it, it feels really weird and it feels really dishonest, doesn't it? And that's why I'm like, look, if you got to compliment your hair for 27 days and that's what you have, have at it. Because Mm -hmm. to me, it's about creating a habit. You're taking five minutes to do this every single day. Bonus do it with your kids and make them do it for themselves. I love that. I kind of want to make my daughter do that with herself as well. Yeah. And, and it's important to talk about that. I, I know that I always had a, a lot of negative self-image about myself as well. Youngest of three girls. And so my two older sisters, gorgeous, dropped out, dropped dead gorgeous growing up still. And I just remember always thinking to myself, I'm never going to be as pretty as them. And I always felt like, okay, I had to be smart because I didn't have any looks going for me like at all are pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. But no, it affected how I, how I raised my daughter. I would always tell her all the time. And I still do that. She is beautiful, Mm -hmm. both on the outside and on the inside. And we talk about beauty on both ways. My daughter is, she like has facial features like me, but her body is totally different. She has this petite, small body that most of the women on my side of the family and her dad's side of the family have. And I'm tall and curvy. We look nothing alike that way. And she's always like, why don't I look like you? And like you just said, it's a conversation about genetics and just reminding her about how beautiful she is with what she has. Mm -hmm. So, Well, and I think it's especially important if your children do not look like you to talk about that. So my mom and my sister are both very, very small. My mom is probably to this day a size zero and weighs under a hundred pounds. That is not me. And I think that my mom actually did an amazing job, shout out mom, to talking about that in a very healthy and normalized way. My daughter is also very tiny. She's the smallest in her class constantly. And so she's probably going to be that smaller body type. And to talk about, well, my body tends to look like this and your body tends to look like this. Isn't that interesting versus it being this like sweep it under the rug, we don't talk about it till we get to the comparison stage thing is important. You know, I mean, some of it, frankly, is like science. It is interesting. Right. Yeah. What made that happen? What made that happen? And why do we view it as important? How did this happen? How did we focus so much on the body image? Because 200, 300 years ago, women's bodies were not meant to be thin. Like, that's a dying woman right there. <laughs> like, and, <laughs> and it was pretty recent I, times. Look at like the 1950s. I mean, so Marilyn Monroe was the ideal, right? And the reality mm-hmm. is it will ebb and flow again. We all know that every generation has a different quote unquote body image ideal. I even, this makes me sound so old, but I even look at the youngins now. <laughs> and, I know. We call them youngins. But, yeah. <laughs> but look at like, the teenage celebrities now, they look totally different than they did 10 years ago. It's definitely more curve than there used to be. I think you see girls who, in my opinion, they look older, but it's very mm-hmm. different than like when I was a teenager and it was Kate Moss who was like super, oh super, super you know, it's going to yeah. adjust. But I think what it comes down to for me is there is not one ideal. There's always going to be society saying everyone needs to look the same. And we live in a diverse world. Everybody is not going to look the same, whatever that quote unquote ideal is. It's a double-edged sword. There is a part of it where we can, where social media and our connectedness throughout the world, it's a negative, right? our children and us were constantly bombarded by these images of this perfection that we as adults know is fake, airbrushed and and all that jazz, right? Filters. Yeah. And the children don't necessarily know that, or maybe they're starting to kind of figure it out. 
But then on the flip side, there's also all these positive images out there in social media. I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Like, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is like, I'm thinking about, and it's going to date me slightly, like Megan Trainer when she did that song, All About the Bass. Yeah. Like just how how that kind of body image of like, I'm here, this is what I'm like. And there's more and more of that out there. Mm -hmm. So seeking that out and making sure that our children see that and that we talk about like, wow, everybody, I love how confident she is in who she is. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily have to be about the body image. It's about the confidence in who she is. And probably took her a while to get there because that's another thing too. Like our daughters being tweens, we see a lot of that uncertainty, mm-hmm. them not being sure where they are. And I remember that age too. Like even though I felt fairly confident, you don't necessarily know where you are. And yeah, then you start to think something's wrong with you because you don't have the confidence. <laughs> well, I think when it comes to kids and social media, we could do a whole other podcast. <laughs> I about- know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, so ironically, this is actually one of the last things I did before I stopped teaching was to do a bunch of presentations to the parents at my school about kids and social media use. I think that it's more about teaching our children to check in with themselves and think critically versus what they are or are not seeing on social media. So having like a set of things you discuss as a family is important. When I go on fill in the blank platform, Instagram, TikTok. Do people still Snapchat? I don't even know. Snapchat, (laughs) whatever comes next, right? Um, Do I feel good or bad at the end of being on there? What happens if I post something? Do I feel good or bad? What happens if I message people? Do I feel good or bad? Because I think at some age, our kids have to learn to be their own barometer about their feelings so they could make decisions, right? Like yes. at some point yes. you can't say to your high school student anymore, you're not allowed to go on Instagram. They all have phones. They're going to go on it. and they're going to hide it from you, frankly. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I would rather have a dialogue with my daughter as she gets older about if you feel bad, why do you feel bad? What do you want to do about it? Do you want to delete the app for a week? Do you want to not use it anymore? Do you want to start a new account and maybe follow different people? Do you want to mute your friends? What do you want to do? I think teaching our children to be connected with what makes them feel confident and what makes them feel insecure is the most important thing that we can do because they're going to have to make these decisions without us at some point. Now I'm talking tweens, teens and up, not like my six Right. She's, she's not, she's on, not on social media. No. Yeah. No, <laughs> no but I think I that's like great. That. I think that's great advice. Yes. And right? I like that making kids aware of exactly how they feel and what outside influences are making them feel that way. And helping them problem solve. Yeah. To me, the most important thing that we can do is to empower our kids when it comes to stuff like this, you know, and for younger kids, it could be the same conversation, but in person interactions. Hey, when you had a play date with this person, did you feel good or bad about it? When you interacted with this child, did you feel good or did you feel bad? Like, I think we want to empower our kids and ourselves, because frankly, adults aren't the best at this either, to be like, hold on. Does this interaction make me feel better about myself or worse? Do I consistently feel worse after reading this magazine, watching this TV show, looking at this person's Instagram account? I had some control over that. So what am I going to do here? Not read it anymore, not interact with that person, invest less in that relationship, whatever it is. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I think that's great advice for both moms, for all parents and for kids. And you've given us so many great nuggets of like stuff to take away. Tell our listeners, where can they find you? I am lip gloss and crayons everywhere. (laughs) It's It's very easy. I am lip gloss and crayons on Instagram. My website is lipglossandcrans.com. Every platform is lip gloss and crayons. Everywhere. Everywhere Yay. lip gloss and crayons. Well, it was awesome having you on, Carly. Thank you so, so much. And uh, so much fun. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay, let's talk a little bit about just wear the suit. I know that I hadn't heard that story. Like that was something that that you had researched. And when you brought it up and she told the whole story, I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Just being banned by Instagram for a hashtag of like women just in bathing suits, like healthy women in bathing suits. Like it showed too much skin. Oh my gosh. It gets all the fire up in me. Like everything about body shaming that happens to women, like we need to reclaim it and we need to reclaim it 
for ourselves and for our daughters. Right. And it, just the simplicity of it, like the the just in the suit, like if you and I remember you doing a blog post about this many years ago when when you first started and it was the same thing. You had a bunch of friends come over and you guys were swimming in the backyard talking about how it just your mom body like it it there are so many pressures we have on what the ideal is supposed to be that we end up hating these wonderful things that have given mm-hmm. us so much they gave us our children yes they gave us the strength to play with them and to do all these amazing things but yet we're we're downing on ourselves especially when it comes to swimsuits yeah like why are we shamed in regards to swimsuits it it's like it's total BS total BS I'm gonna argue that I don't know too many guys that are like oh no I look too fat in this swimsuit I don't know I I think boy I think guys have the same kind of issues we do like Mm. the guys who like go swimming but then wear a t-shirt over their trunks and they won't go shirtless so I think like with guys it's like the won't go shirtless kind of thing that we deal with with, yeah not going into swimsuits I think it's much more prevalent among women. And I think that the standards for women are a lot more strict than they are for guys. True. I I do definitely see that. So, I mean, I love that just wear the suit. And you know what? If you're listening to this, do it. Do do a hashtag just wear the suit. Show, Show your positive, like how you feel that your body is a positive thing. Take back the narrative about your body. It is a positive thing. Yes. Take back the narrative. I cannot agree more. And until next time, remember, the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you. And we'll talk to you later. Thanks so much for stopping by. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.